and welcome to Soul Talk with Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Rabbi Aaron, as all of us are aware, there has been such a spike in anti-Semitism, hatred against Jews that has been coming out recently. And in some ways, we're all, I think so many of us are so shocked by it. Not that it didn't always exist, not that we're not aware that it's out there, but it's just shocking the kind of hate that is coming out right now in a time of so much pain. And it really makes myself and I'm sure many others wonder, what is it about this hatred against Jewish people, anti-Semitism, it has, there's such a history of it. Where does it come from? How do we understand it? Uh, why does it exist as far as we know? And maybe even I was thinking understanding what's causing it might give us some sense of um, a perspective or tools to understand how to respond to it. Right. Well, first of all, I think there, um, I don't think there's one answer that fits all. I think there's a, a number of types of anti-Semitism or reasons for anti-Semitism. Uh, and uh, I'll explore a few of them. Uh, one that comes to my mind is uh, what Friedrich Nietzsche said. Now, he was not an anti-Semite, but he did say something that could uh, be the foundation of anti-Semitism, uh, which is... He said there's two types of people in the world. There's strong people and there's weak people. Strong people do what they want, when they want, when they want, wherever, with who they want. They're free. The weak people, to protect themselves from the strong people, invented morality to make the strong people feel guilty that they're so strong. Mm. And the weak people that invented morality and have the uh, sole uh, patent rights to guilt are the Jewish people. And uh, he wasn't saying it as an anti-Semite. He was just saying that the Jewish people brought morality to the world and basically made all those free people who did what they want, when they want, how they want, feel guilty. And, uh, and, it, and it's very likely that Hitler, who was a big fan of the writings of Friedrich Nietzsche, adopted that idea into his anti-Semitism, because Hitler in Mein Kampf says uh, that we are barbarians and we are proud of it. It's only the Jews that have claimed a false claim that man can transcend himself. That is a lie. And uh, the Jewish people have inflicted two wounds on mankind, circumcision on his body and conscience on his soul. Wow. These are Jewish inventions. This war is a deception. There is only one war, the war between the Germans and the Jews. I think that really captures a good chunk of anti-Semitism, which is... Uh, that we uh, we messed up the party, you know. People were, you know, they, they were proud to be barbarians and just allow themselves to do whatever they feel like doing. And uh, the Jewish people become this conscience that makes you feel guilty uh, in practicing your total freedom uh, to do what you feel like doing. And, uh, and, and is claiming that you can transcend yourself. This is, uh, this is I think, a, a, a significant kind of anti-Semitism. Uh, I think it got to a point that 
many anti-Semites don't even know why they hate the Jews, but it could be something that has has come down that was rooted in this hatred for how we destroyed the world. And our, our Midrash, the oral tradition says that the, the Torah was given at Mount Sinai and the Mount, the word Sinai sounds very close to the word Sina, which means hate. And that when Torah was brought into the world, it generated hate towards the Jewish people because we came to the world and brought morality and, and the guilt that accompanies, you know, immorality. And I think that's one big part of it. Hmm. Wow. And even though Hitler was more recent, meaning this would be, he's just an example for us to understand the history of anti-Semitism that even came before him. Yeah, we uh, we brought a narrative of God and man to the world that a lot of people are unhappy with because we want a party. And, uh, you know, um, idolatry which most people don't realize was extremely attractive because it was basically saying that nature is God and you should follow the word of God, the word of nature. So that whatever you feel like doing naturally is, is right. And therefore, for instance, idolatry uh, revolved a lot around orgies and sexual promiscuity because, you know, nature is calling and we just follow our nature. We don't transcend it. Mm. The Jewish people are saying, no, don't be natural. Be, so to speak, supernatural. Transcend your nature and don't do what you feel like doing. Do what is right to be doing. Mm. And um, that's one kind of, I think, uh, a significant kind of Yetzirah that uh, we as as Hitler described us as the conscience, he talks about us being a shackle to his soul. We're a conscience to the world. And, uh, and, you know, and I think part of it has to do with when you become identified with the conscience of the world, then there's going to be many people that are going to try and make you look bad. Like you're telling us, you know, to transcend our nature. Look at you, you're barbarians, you're, 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 you're immoral. Look. And so I think there is, because we brought morality to the world, I think there is a very conscientious effort to show that we're immoral mm. and therefore people can not, well, won't feel guilty because you who've been telling the world to be moral, you yourself are immoral. So that would definitely explain, especially Hitler was trying to erase God from the world. And there have definitely been anti and still are anti-Semites that want to live in, so to speak, a godless world. Um, but how would we explain then uh, other religions that have shown anti-Semitism over the years throughout history? God believers themselves who there's still this hatred towards specifically the Jewish people. So I think that's a kind of ju- that's a kind of anti-Semitism that comes from jealousy. Mm. I want to be you. And if I can't be you, I will kill you and be you. I mean, you know, uh, there are there are religions that are claiming that they are the chosen people, that the Jewish people have lost their right to to the chosenness of God and that they're really the chosen people. 
And so that's already a different kind of jealousy, a different kind of anti-Semitism. I hate you because I because I want to be you, and uh, and I I need to eliminate you so that I I can I can be that chosen person. I I think there's a big mistake around the idea of chosenness. I think people think chosenness is a privilege when chosenness is an obligation and responsibility to the world. So it comes with a lot of work, chosenness, not a bunch of entitlement. But I think that's another kind of, anti as I mentioned before, that's another kind of anti-Semitism. But then there's a completely different kind of anti-Semitism. I, I once read an article of an interview with a rap artist by the name of Public Enemy, which I think is an amazing name for your mom to give you that name. You know, <laughs> His name is Public Enemy. And he has these rap songs that apparently have... Uh, anti-Semitic lyrics. And I read an article where he was interviewed and he was asked, you know, why do you hate the Jews? And he said, I don't hate all the Jews. I just hate the ones that don't keep the Torah and the mitzvot. Ooh. And he actually said the word mitzvot. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's a revelation that maybe there are people that hate us because they're disappointed in us and had expectations that we would be a light unto the nations that we were supposed to be a conduit of blessing to the nations. And maybe there are people that feel that we have uh, uh, abandoned our mission to the world. There is a philosopher by the name of Abraham Heschel who said the Jewish people are a chosen people who have forgotten what they were chosen for. Mm. And we've been chosen to be a conduit of blessing to mankind, to be, to be a light into the nations. And I think there's another kind of anti-Semitism where people are really disappointed and angry at us because they feel we're not doing our job. So, meaning, I, it's interesting because with each explanation you give is some of the source of where anti-Semitism comes from. And some of them are very different, meaning on the one hand, uh, we don't believe in God and therefore don't want you to spread this God consciousness to the world. There could be another one is we do believe in God, but we don't want you to be the representatives of God. That's who we want to be. Um, and then if I'm just trying to summarize to make sure I'm getting them all, then another one would be uh, you're not doing your job well enough. You have to actually, if you're supposed to be representing God, you have to actually make sure you're doing your job. And if you're not, then there's this, this anger comes up towards us. Right. And then there's a fourth uh, kind of anti-Semitism where they just hate chicken soup. I'm just joking. Mm. <laughs> you know, so uh, I don't know. I don't know. But I don't think there's just one kind of anti-Semite. But I do know there's many, many anti-Semites. And what's going on today is a big revelation. Uh, I, I heard a, a very famous talk show host uh, just the other day say, you know, even I'm surprised, and I'm the kind of guy that never... I, I'm surprised how quickly and how fiercely anti-Semitism has risen in our country, in America. I, I knew it was there, but I, I'm shocked how much it's there. Uh, he had quoted a statistic that 51% of young people from the age 18 to 24 are supporting Hamas. What's the whole next that's, generation? That's, that's an astounding number. Over 50% of youth between 1824 support Hamas. Wow, that's scary. 
So that's then the question is, what can we do? When we, I feel like as Jews, what you're seeing, what people are experiencing personally and what you're seeing in the news all over the world, some people are responding by getting stronger in their Jewish identity and some people are responding by trying to hide their Jewish identity. What sh- is there any sense of what our response should be in light of all this anti-Semitism? Well, again, I, I think a response, there's not one response for everybody. I'll give a response. Uh, a fellow asked a great rabbi here in Israel, is it okay if I hide signs of my Jewishness, um, public signs of my Jewishness? For instance, having a mezuzah on the door of my house or in my dorm room, is it okay if I kind of hide that so as to not draw attention to myself? So the rabbi said it's permissible. But maybe rather than hiding it, maybe you should just come home to Israel. Mm. So uh, I think for some some people, that really is the answer to come home and be here. Um, Because if they don't want us there, then maybe that's God telling us that we should go home. Mm. Um, You know... I would like to say, well, we just need more education. But uh, I don't know. The, the The problem is huge. It's so huge that, I mean, I, I'm sure education would be helpful having more, you know, uh, a, a better social, plat- social media platform that tells the world who we are and what we're about and how much we love the world and care about the world. Um, you know, even even during this war, I, I, I take a look at different channels and it's really amazing how different news you know, channels present the news from their own perspective. And some of them are, are ve- you can just tell they're very anti-Israel and they're twisting the story uh, it, to support their already concluded attitude towards us. And then there's those who are more positive towards Israel. And it's, um, yeah, it's, but, but this war has basically released from very close to the surface. It wasn't so deep down. It wasn't so hard to access. This anti-Semitism was literally waiting at right underneath the surface of the surface and boom, just came out and people are surprised that, how many people are talking this way or at least or, or not at least condemning what Hamas did. Mm. And that's hard, hard to fathom. It's true. I think that's one of the amazing things is that you know, I'm saying it's not anti-Semitism to this scale isn't new. There's been a terrible history of it. But when it's just something that's in history, it's different than when you're starting to in your life experience the energy and the power and the hate. And it's at a level that's so beyond what I think I'm about 40 right now. I've never experienced in my lifetime. And I think even my parents' generation have never experienced in their lifetime, this degree. Uh, my grandparents probably, and it's been a while since the Holocaust, since this level of anti-Semitism has been felt. But, you know, we keep thinking about what you're saying might be a message. And I'm going to emphasize the a message as opposed to the message, because that was an important point of maybe this is a message of come home. And in that regards, then the anti-Semitism is potentially as bad as it is. It also can serve a certain purpose and goal towards guiding because it's guiding 
uh, Jews towards the next step of maybe where we need to be. Because as I'm thinking about it, the countries that oftentimes had the highest level of uh, coming home to the land of Israel were the ones who the Jews felt most uncomfortable in. And the more we feel comfortable in our host countries outside of the land, the easier it is to stay. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I met uh, an old friend of mine uh, the other day, uh, and he's very involved with outreach in America. And he said there is this incredible surge of interest amongst assimilated Jews to know more about themselves as Jews. So it's uh, it's sad, but it's not surprising that anti-Semitism does, can have a positive influence on Jews saying, hey, if they hate me for being Jewish, maybe I, and they're taking my Jewishness so seriously and I, they don't even know me and they hate me nonetheless, maybe I should take my Judaism seriously and figure out what is it, who am I that they hate so much that I don't even know about. Hmm. That's very powerful what you're saying, because in a certain sense, hatred almost seems as though there's nothing good could come out of it. And yet in an odd kind of way, as much as we don't want this to be happening, but even within very dark times, there are certain possibilities of, a, we've spoken about this before, and this is a great example of new growth coming through something that seems like it's just there to destroy you. At the same time, there's a certain growth process that sometimes comes out of these dark times. Yeah, well, you know, I I don't know that much about airplanes, but I once heard uh, someone say that what causes the airplane to go up is the wind that's going against the airplane, which actually lifts it up higher and higher. So sometimes uh, adversity is actually the very trigger or the catalyst for growth. Well, this is a very important message, I do have to say, because as we're going through these dark, painful and shocking times, um, I think if we just get stuck on the fear of and of what's going on, uh, it's very immobilizing. But on the other hand, when we're realizing, as I'm talking to you and you're sharing here, that there actually is tremendous growth potential, even from the darkest of the dark times, that is really we want this to stop. We want this to get better. But while for what it is to at least take the opportunity to tap into the growth potential and have something good come out of it is very important. I want yes. to thank yep. I want to thank you all for joining us. Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel.